Hello, I'm Toby. I like Doctor Who, and I'm about to watch a story chosen for me by a friend with the aim of mining it for positives in order to guess what their favourite things about this particular adventure are. So join me, watch along with me if you like, or just listen as I chat to you, offer facts, opinions and observations, but mainly try to get us to those special planes that Doctor Who takes us to, those happy times and places. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, with me, Toby Haydock. So who's my special guest this time around? Uh, hello, Toby, and incidentally, hello to all of you at home. Uh, my name is Tom Burgess. I'm arguably a comedian, and to one audience that really sticks out in my memory, passionately, arguably not. Um, but fortunately, the world being what it is at the moment, it seems unlikely I'll ever be able to gig to them again. Um, now, I'm recording this message for you entirely on location, because the story I've picked for you to watch, Toby, is the Sontaran Experiment. Um, and the reason I've chosen this one, really, is that it's the first Doctor Who story of the original run I ever saw back in 1998 on VHS. I was six years old, um, and I think even if it hadn't been coupled up with Genesis of the Daleks in that double video pack, um, I still would have come out of it a huge fan. So I think it's really easy to take a two-part story for granted, especially when it's sandwiched between two of the all-time greats. But there's loads to enjoy in it. Uh, and to make that point even clearer, um, I'm actually going to tell you two things per episode I love. Uh, so you're going to have five things in total. Um, see if you can manage that. Best of luck. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, it's time for the Sontaran experiment. Uh, let's... Well, welcome everybody. Uh, I hope you're okay. I'm staying up at a ridiculous hour to watch the Sontaran experiment. What did you do during the plague, Grandad? Oh, well, I... Uh, <coughs> Waited till everyone had gone to bed and I watched old episodes of Doctor Who and talked to nobody. Um, so if you're out there, thank you for being there. Uh, nice to be with you. Welcome to my home. I have got up and I hope you have too. The Sontaran Experiment. Mine is all on Blu-ray and I'm going to uh, press play or enter or play all or select or whatever it is. I'm doing play all now. Um, well, hello. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a 50-minute Doctor Who story. A two-parter, so rare back in the day. And, um, <laughs> you know, this is something you'd sort of pop on and go, well, I haven't got very long. And, you know, it's quite slight because it's two-parter. Two-parters, it's, it's never long enough to tell a story. And, of course, 50 minutes is what we tell a story in these days. Um, and, of course, yes, there's no such thing as a... As a story arc back in the day and this is this is a literal story arc it started uh, in the arc in space uh, and, and it goes on to here and then you know the whole setup of genesis has a ramification for the fact that they're not traveling in the tardis it's an odd thing actually tom baker's first season because 
we think of the Hinchcliffe era breaking new ground. Producer Philip Hinchcliffe comes in and makes the show more muscular. That's a nice word that he uses. Uh, uh, he bends, the doctor bends his knees as he lands. Ah. Um, but, but actually, this first season, um, while it's got the very unusual thing of most of it takes place around the travel to and from the Ark in space, but also um, it's largely old writers. John Lucarotti was originally to write the Ark in space. This is Bob Baker and Dave Martin who've written for the Pertwee era quite a lot. Terry Nation writes the, ne the next story. Jerry Davis, the next. Uh, major surgery was required, so I wonder if that's what, when Philip Hinchcliffe, when he was uh, left to his own devices, uh, you know, never called upon uh, the likes of Jerry Davis. Oh, Terry Nation has a go, doesn't it? Android Invasion. Um, oh, and Bob Baker and Dave Martin. But it, it's just, this, this, this feels like they're sort of trying to recapture, you know, get some of the 60s back, which we don't, I don't really think of in this, this era. I, I love this opening. All of the, the rapport between uh, the fact that she's got, she's got a thorn in her bottom. Very few references to bottoms in Doctor Who. Um, only in my dignity. She is so good. When I was young, I, I have an, uh, elder brothers and sisters... Sarah was dismissed by them as, oh, she just screams. She was before my time, my earliest memories, sort of Leela, really. And she's such good value that the, the, the thorn in her bottom, the, the covering of her face with the hat, she can even pull off a yellow, <laughs> a yellow cagoule. I love these three. I think Ian Marta has a, a, a tricky job. I think Harry is sometimes written as a buffoon and I think he's sometimes got lines that uh, are quite difficult to pull off but he uh, I remember when I was reading about Harry Sullivan I thought he was a sort of tough guy and not not the sort of posh posh sailor um, but he does it very well because he's so charming um, and Tom Baker's arrived I mean what he's been he's not been playing the doctor very long at all uh, and he's and he's so good. He inhabits it already. He's there's nobody like him, is there? He was my first Doctor, and I think it's easy to take him for granted. But he, he is Doctor Who. <laughs> that grin, uh, all the business that he does. Uh, and this is directed by Rodney Bennett, who knew Dartmoor. He wrote books about Dartmoor, so I think he was. He was at home here. I mean, obviously, if we did this now, we'd uh, it would be more of a. Would it be more of a? Yeah, I think you'd have bits of. I think you'd have fun with monuments and bits of buildings sticking out of the ground. Whereas this just sort of reminds me of you know, the, the Yorkshire Moors or whatever. Um, I love the yeah, that, that, that I love that musical motif. The blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it's unusual, isn't it? Because it's uh, it looks it looks lovely. Although I wonder, I do wonder. I like a bit of film. I always felt the Doctor Who looked a bit more grown up and expensive, which, as a child, was the two things I wanted it to be uh, when it was on film. Uh, videotape is is slightly less forgiving, but though, though this actually looks this actually looks really nice, and. Uh, 
and that point of view shot of the doctor's quite you know he's being he's being observed and that, that rattly music is great isn't it um and he's in the uh, terry walsh is there now that's interesting because i sometimes i think 70s hair um doesn't help doctor who but actually the fact that these guys have been there because so, if you if, if you think about um Kenton Moore, Noah in The Ark in Space, he's got tidy 70s hair. I don't think that's dated particularly well. But these guys, because they've got the long 70s hair, because it's unkempt, and because they've allowed their beards to grow a bit, the, the 70s hair thing, I think, it doesn't look like 70s hair. It looks like, um, uh, it looks like guys who've been stranded on a planet for ages. So isn't that funny that within the space of one story, 70s hair, which I, I think in Ark in Space is a... Is a is a bit of a a disadvantage here. Um, I think is really helpful. I'm just testing my sound. No, my sound's right. Um, uh, he's yeah. Oh, because of the because of the trap and the mystery. It's quite because it's quite a straightforward story. Although it's a very <laughs> interesting story. But um, and of course I have to I have to be thinking about what what my lovely Tom Burgess has decided is the best are the best two things about this. We're doing two per episode because because it's a fifty minute. It's the equivalent of a of a modern series episode. I I won't be including the <laughs> Android in my favourite things. It's a it's a it's a, it's a it's a funny choice, isn't that a great shot though? It's a it's a funny choice to have something sort of on spindly legs, uh, to, to to be a, a sort of all-terrain creature. Uh, you see, if you're played by Terry Walsh, you are going to end up falling off something uh, sooner rather than later, and in this case, sort of sooner. But um, I do like a stunt. Always adds a bit of drama. Uh, He's uh, he's landed very on well. He's dead, Zeke. Uh, and um, but yeah, the um, the sort of tea trolley, the bewhiskered tea trolley <laughs> uh, of the android. He, he's killed Zeke. Are you are you saying you only noticed Zeke at that point? Doesn't matter. Uh, And that's great because, you know, within the minutes, uh, the TARDIS crew are split up without going, shall we split up? You know, one of them's fallen down a crevasse. Uh, one of them has been uh, lured away by hearing a, a, a fellow in peril and has ended up getting captured. Uh, and that leaves Sarah all on her own. That's really nice economical storytelling that sets up various different mysteries because yeah what's this mystery who's 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 attacking harry who laid the trap for harry uh and then who are these guys who killed these guys so it's layer upon layer very quickly uh she's great isn't she i mean uh, i was saying before she, yeah she was dismissed by my i mean my elder brother's a bit of a thug so <laughs> So maybe that's why. But I think I think my brothers and my, I've got two brothers and a sister, all older, and I think they all were a bit down on Sarah. Um, 
So I wasn't in a particular hurry to see her uh, when I started collecting episodes uh, because Sarah was a screamer. And it's amazing how that that being sort of planted in your head means it's it's sort of received wisdom. Um, But actually, she's magnificent. I mean, I think she's so good. She gives value to everything that she does and in 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 these days where where you know you cutting and editing you know a lot of cutting was done particularly in studio was done sort of as as live it was vision mixed um whereas when you shoot on film you can choose every sort of nanosecond actors that that sort of keep things interesting um were gold dust and she's she's one of those she's always thinking about how you know how to add character to the action which which helps to sell the action or helps to bring something different to the action um uh, and she's i think she's very inventive i, <laughs> I, I, I quite like the, they threaten him with a a, a a smoking stick um now kranz is played by glyn jones which i didn't know friends because in the doctor who magazine episode guide I remember it was, it was Clans, Crans, Glyn Johns. There's an actor called Andrew Johns in uh, Genesis of the Daleks. And, I was, and, I, and it seemed like an echo of that. Because, of course, there's um, Terry Walsh in this and Peter Walsh, but Peter Walsh with an E, who plays Eric. Um, so it's like sort of funny, funny echoes. Um, but Glyn, and I, thought, I thought, is it Glyn Johns? And, of course, it's not. It's Glyn Jones. Now, that, of course, is, is very different because Glyn Jones... I knew the guy who wrote the Space Museum was actor-writer Glyn Jones, and suddenly, oh, so the guy who plays Kranz in, in this uh, wrote the Space Museum, so he becomes one of that small but illustrious bevy of people who have written for and acted in Doctor Who. Take a bow, Victor Pemberton. Take a bow, Mark Gatiss. Take a bow, Toby Whithouse. Um... And I, what I love is that you know Glenn Jones came to came to the show for both jobs completely independently. You know he's writing in the sixties, come over from South Africa, uh, and wrote the the Space Museum. Um, and then of course you know years later they're looking for actors with South African accents. So it's not that oh let's get Glenn in he wrote a story. It was because it was a totally different regime. So I like that tale. And I was when I started my podcast. Uh, Toby Haydock's Who's Round, I sort of put a general plea on the internet and I got an email from from Glyn Jones's mate, uh, a chap called Douglas in Crete, where Glyn Jones lived, saying, uh, oh, yeah, my friend Glyn Jones will do it. And he was one of the first interviews I did, which is slightly annoying because in those days, I, I felt that people who agreed to do interviews, I was like, well, I, I won't take up too much of their time. But actually, the inconvenience is agreeing to do it. Once you've agreed to do it, people are perfectly happy and I, and I think if I'd known what I knew only a month or so later, uh, I would have done a longer interview with Glyn Jones. As it was, I'm very flattered and, and, and happy that uh, I had that contact with him. Um, uh, I was slightly unprepared because I'd, I'd set up the Skype call early and I was just doing a test and I think he'd noticed that I was on Skype. So he called and it was an hour earlier. So it was about six o'clock in the morning where I was. Uh, and, I'd, and I'd not had time to sort of settle in. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. It was one of the first interviews I did for my podcast. So have a listen to that. It's on the Big Finish website. And he was a lovely fellow. And he, he sent me a, a copy of his Space Museum script afterwards. Um, 
where Vicky is called Tanny. I mean, amazing. Um, uh, so yeah, and and I think I think he felt that his costume because he was so cold. Apparently, he he, he feels he looked. Ah, that's where the advert was. Because uh, I first watched this from Super Channel. And there was an advert there, you know where the doctor is. And whoever had recorded the copy that I got hadn't pressed unpressed pause until Verrill comes in here. So there's bits of the action here. There's that bit with uh, Eric pulling the doctor's hair that I didn't see for about until relatively recently, I don't think, because because my video copy uh, from Super Channel had that bit of the action missing. They look great, these guys. Um, you know, I buy them as stranded... Uh, astronauts. I love the South African accents. Uh, I used to sort of mim mimic this and, and Donald Douglas, who's not South African, playing Burrell, uh, is, 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 is a very good actor. Uh, but also he, he does the South African thing very well. The others are all... Um, Glyn Jones is South African. Terry Walsh doesn't have any lines. Um, Peter Walsh, who plays Eric, I think was brought up in South Africa. Um, He's still about, he's a businessman. You can find him online giving talks about, I can't remember what his business is now, but about selling your business. And his son, Peter Walsh, who plays Eric, his son worked on the crew of the shoot where Jodie Whittaker was revealed as the Doctor, you know, that they showed through Wimbledon with her feet and to the, you know, the reveal, the 13th Doctor reveal. Um, he, was, he was on the crew of that. Um, and, uh, he, uh, and he's... He, he didn't act for long. He's in The Naked Civil Servant in the last scene. But he also, Peter Walsh, he returns to Doctor Who. Um, under less glorious circumstances, Rodney Bennett uses him again in uh, The Mask of Mandragora, where he utters the immortal line, I ain't going down there, Giovanni, not for all the gold in Rome. Um, <laughs> it's just very funny. Um, but I like this South African crew, and I think using everybody having the same accent to suggest because where everything's you know every, a lot of telly is RP at this time um, unless you've got a job that involves getting your hands dirty in which case you can be northern <laughs> or unless you're a bit of a bit of a wide boy when you can be a cockney um, but um, you know un unusual accents in Doc 2 are, are, are you know are relatively novel and I think that gives these characters their own sort of special thing um, and it does what it suggests what it's supposed to suggest as well that they are sort of from an independent colony and I think they do a good good stab of it because they haven't got they haven't got a building they've got a fire and uh, I like that they're having they're eating a bit of stuff here and picking picking bits off of it and you know, chucking the bits they can't eat and you know, have a chat while I eat. I like all of that. I buy it. It's sort of down and dirty. Um, yeah, you get the impression that there's they all they've got makeup that looks makes it look like they've been outside a long time and haven't had much sleep. It's uh, I think the depiction of these three guys who could be quite boring is uh, is one of the the strong points. And and the little idioms they have like you know check and. Yanistan and all of that sort of thing. Uh, I, I even like the way Donald Douglas chooses food. Um, I like actors who just do bits to make it. And I love Roth. Poor old Roth. The, 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 
scared, slightly broken, mentally broken fellow, Peter Rutherford, who, when I moved to Manchester, was doing a play up the road here at the Royal Exchange in, what would that be, 92, something like that. And, and I was like, oh, he's still acting, that's good. And I, you know, I should have left a note and done an interview, but I was a young student. I had discos to dance at and young ladies to fail to pick impress. <laughs> um, he's they've they've bought into the doctor's sort of obtuseness in in the writing and and what they give Tom Baker to do really early. They all of this stuff about I love clocks is gloriously <laughs> obtuse. <laughs> And the timing when he adds to the cuckoo clocks. That's great. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're actually, you could tell it's quite, I think it was really, really cold there. Um, that's what Glyn Jones, Glyn Jones said. Anyway, Glyn Jones, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry Walsh, Peter Walsh. And that, does, that happens quite sometimes quite a lot. I remember in the, in the, in the, in the Hartnell era, there's William Hartnell, Stephen Dartnell, William Hartnell, William Russell, St William Hartnell, William, William Hartnell, Stephen Dartnell, William Russell. There's a sort of, it's like they've only got a certain amount of letters to go around. Which I wonder if you'd be allowed a machete. They've got a machete. Um... And of course, of course, it's called the Sontaran experiment. It's only a two-parter, but but we don't. Yeah, we created an empire. Yeah, I I I buy that. Yeah, so you're all, and that's a nice contrast to the sort of sterility of uh, 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 and the formal language of of everybody in uh, in uh, in the arc in space. Uh, yeah, well done, Donald Douglas. Just giving the impression that no, no, guys, don't run off. We've we've got a prisoner here, who we have to leave to escape for plot purposes. Um, but at least he, you know, he plays lip service to this, by or or arm grab service to this. It's a funny old coat, Tom, because it's, it's it's useful. It's good he had that coat. It's almost like he was planning to break his collarbone, which he does uh, shortly later. So. Um, Rodney Bennett, who directed this new Dartmoor, in fact, wrote books about Dartmoor. Um, I was very lucky to to go and visit him at his house. He was a charming man, quite old-fashioned courtesy he had. Uh, and he said off instead of off, which I always found very charming. He and his wife, Jill, invited me to their house in Bath and gave me great hospitality. That's how he spoke, and it was lovely. It was so disarming. And he had mobility problems there as the, uh, at that time, um, and I think quite a lot in, in later life. Um, I found your sonic screwdriver. Shh, what would I do without you? I love that exchange. These, I mean, these guys haven't been working together for very long at all. They've totally hit it off. Um, and actually having this location like this is great, isn't it? It gives it a real... I'm going to use the word verisimilitude, which I get into trouble for from... Radio Free Scaro is a word. <laughs> Stephen Schapansky says I use that word all the time. He's probably right. Um, 
But yeah, Rod, Rodney Bennett is, was very good friends with Maureen O'Brien. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, this is directed this and Ark in Space. And Mask of Mandragoran was a sort of... When I was a kid reading Doctor Who magazine and stuff, Christopher Barry and Michael Bryant and people like that were, were interviewed quite often. Nobody interviewed Rodney Bennett for quite a while. Um, and, and the rival school in Grange Hill is called Rodney Bennett, isn't it? And I, I've got a feeling, I don't know, I did a who's round with him, have a listen. Uh, if it's not there, the answer is, I'm going to give you... So I, I think I said, oh, and of course, you're named after the, 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 the school, the rival school in Grange Hill is named after you. And he didn't have a clue what I was talking about. So I think that was one of those things where we went, ah, it's this thing. It was nothing to do with that at all. I, I may have misremembered that. He may have gone, yes, absolutely, I invented Grain Chill, but I don't, I don't, I don't think the, the, the school in being called Rodney Bennett has anything to do with him at all. Uh, hello, the robot. If there are any Grain Chill people for whom I've misremembered that, Right in, and I'll do a. I think you'll find uh, because I, I, the, the, the law with these things is I'm doing some quite factual podcasts. Uh, these are more. You've come to my house, uh, and we're watching Doc Two together, and we're just having a chat. I make no claim to uh, factual accuracy. Then why do we bother listening, Toby? I'm. I haven't quite figured because I hope because I hope you enjoy my company. Uh, I love the Sontaran spaceship, and I love the fact that they've stayed they've stayed more consistent than the Sontarans themselves. Mm. And look at that dripping water and all of that, which, which again, it, it, it seems like such a small thing, but actually you don't get water uh, in a studio much. So, so having, having, you know, water and on location, having the elements, and you could see, see the actor's breath, when sometimes, you know, a grassy knoll would be a... You know, a bit of sackcloth uh, on 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 a, on, a, on a few uh, uh, stage mounts, you know. So um, I'm loving the rocks actually, and and the, that's a great angle. Uh, oh God, we're at the end of episode one already. Um, yeah, so oh, so Peter Rutherford, yes, was at the Royal Exchange, and I didn't speak, and he he died mid mid nineties, I should think, which is very sad. But was still acting, so still, still kept a career going. So good for him. Uh, and here's Lynx, not Lynx. It's Steyer, but she thinks it's Lynx because the beautiful thing about the Sontarans is that they are clone creatures. So you can reuse the assets in order to save money, uh, except their masks in the classic series are never the same <laughs> in any story. So there we go. Uh, uh, so uh, right, I haven't actually, I haven't uh, named two things yet. So um, the Sontaran experiment, episode one. Well, I'm definitely going for the South African brogue and you know general general demeanour of uh, the Galset astronauts I like the whole press pause Toby uh, um, I like the South Africanness uh, of the crew and I like I just 
I just love the rapport between that. I mean, that opening scene, everything that those characters do, all that that banter that they have, it's so fresh, it's so easy, it's so much of it's not on the page. It's, I mean, it's gold dust when you're making television in the 70s to have that sort of chemistry and, and, and that sort of extra value from your actors. So I would say the dynamic of the TARDIS crew and the South Africanness of the gap of the of everyone else, um, bar Terry Walsh because he didn't say anywhere any, anything. He was just there to fall off a thing. What has my friend Tom Burgess elected to choose? Hello again, Toby. Uh, well, you've watched the Sontaran experiment, and in the meantime, I've moved to a different bit of the location I'm in, uh, like they used to do on the years tapes in the nineties. Uh, and in the last 50 minutes, I have broken my collarbone, I've been captured by three South Africans, and I've sucked the innards from a potato. So in many ways, we've had the exact same experience. Um, now, I'll tell you my favourite things from the Sontaran experiment. Uh, my first of two favourite things from part one is the TARDIS crew. How lucky was I to see this TARDIS crew for my first ever proper episode of Doctor Who? Um, I think Harry and Sarah's relationship in that first scene where they all touch down on Earth is lovely. Tom Baker is, at this stage, still quite an unknown quantity. He's calmed down from Robot and there's a bit of a dry humour creeping through. I think they're an absolute delight to watch. Um, my second favourite thing from the Sontaran experiment, which again, I remember making an impression from the first time I watched it, is the music. Um, like it's easy to take a two-parter for granted, I think it's really easy to take Dudley Simpson for granted when he's basically doing all the music all the time. Um, he's just the bread and butter of Doctor Who, isn't he? Uh, but what really stands out for me is the sort of shriek that the music gives at uh, the end of part one when Steyer takes off his helmet for the first time. It's um, stabbed into my heart like a dagger. Uh, then we're on to part two. Oh, no. Yeah, we're not on to part two yet. I'm going to go on to part two, but that will be in a separate broadcast. So Tom chose the TARDIS crew and Dudley Simpson, and I, I like yeah, I mentioned the 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 the, the, the that um, but I didn't choose it as one of my favourite things, which means I can't choose it next time. So we're even Stevens because uh, I chose one of his and not the other. Uh, uh, oh, he's good value, is Tom, isn't he? Well, there we have it. Uh, Honours are, honours are even uh, at the end of episode one. Um, you can join me for episode two whenever you like. That's the beauty of the internet and this sort of thing. Uh, but that's the end of episode one of the Sontaran Experiment. And I will see you next time we rejoin the action on the blasted heath of Trafalgar Square. Ta-ta. My guest this time around, Tom Burgess, is a brilliant comedian and he's one of us. His character, Peter Fleming, is a producer of long-lost BBC TV children's programmes and it's very sweet, is very funny and is very, very inventive and definitely, if you like this sort of stuff, right up your street. Peter Fleming can be found at at Peter Fleming TV on Twitter. That's at Peter Fleming TV. And his real-life alter ego, Tom himself, Tom Burgess, can be found at tomb underscore urges. Tomb underscore urges. 
on Twitter. So Tomb Urges and Peter Fleming TV are the two places to go if you've enjoyed Tom's contribution and want to see more of him, which you definitely should. Thank you for listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Hayden. My special guest was the comedian Tom Burgess. The music was by Dave Gates. Special thanks go to Chris Boyle, and the artwork was by Dylan Patterson. Please go to www.tobyhadoke.com for more, and don't forget to rate, thumbs up, and generally be nice about this podcast everywhere that you possibly can. It's easy for you, and it helps me, and I'm very grateful. You can support these podcasts and any other of my broadcasting endeavours at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock and ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Patrons get special goodies and advance releases and my eternal gratitude. Doctor Who is BBC copyright and no attempt has been made to infringe that copyright.